Welcome to the Gita Brown Show, bringing harmony into everyday life. Today, we are talking about how to increase your happiness with one simple step. So, hey guys, I'm Gita, and I help creative people from all walks of life understand how to develop a holistic lifestyle so that they can live peaceful, healthy, and joyful lives. You'll get inspired with practical tips for your creativity and spirit. So if you're a musician, an artist, a writer, or just a creative-minded soul, you have found your source of inspiration and guidance. So if we're going to talk about how to increase your happiness, chances are if you're watching this, you would like to be a little bit happier. Check in with yourself for a moment. Are you experiencing happiness every single day? Are you experiencing a general level of happiness that's like at a pretty reasonable level where you're like, yeah, that's good, or you want more, or maybe you're pretty happy and you think, I think I could be feeling even better. It doesn't matter where you are on the spectrum, even if you're just really going through a tough time right now, I feel you, I'm here with you, and we're going to talk today about how you can take a step towards feeling even happier. Happy can mean something just is a little more balanced, a little more well, a little more joy in every day. Because let me tell you, friends, life is hard. (laughs) We're born, and then, you know, at the other end, we die. So if we're not having some fun in the in-between part, I think we're kind of missing the point. So I thought it'd be really great to bring someone on today to talk to us about how to increase happiness in powerful ways, but that's easy to do, that we all can do, and that we all can start doing right now. Even by me bringing on this guest, I am taking a step towards my happiness because so much of our discontent, our anxiety, our stress, all the stuff that covers up our sort of natural happiness we have as kids All of that arises because we're disconnected. We're disconnected from ourselves, from our souls, and we are disconnected from each other. So by connecting with one another, we take a really powerful step towards being more more happy. And our guest today is a perfect example of someone who has opened up her vault and has shared her stuff with the world and is looking to create a community of vibrant musicians who are dedicated to health and well-being. Her doctor, her name is Dr. Callie Snyder. We're going to take a super quick break. On the other side of that break, you're going to meet Callie and you're going to hear her powerful story of anxiety and how she has taken that moment as a catalyst and turned it around and is now creating this amazing community of which you are now a part and you are going to learn how to increase your happiness. So stick with me on this short break. We'll see you on the other side. Hey friends, this is the Gita Brown Show, bringing harmony into everyday life. Find me online at GitaBrown.com and YouTube at Gita Brown. Also on social, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Gita C. Brown. See you there. Hey guys, and welcome back. Oh my goodness, I'm so excited for you to meet our guest today. First on, I have to brag about her a little bit because I was a little bit of a fangirl with her on Instagram, and we have since struck up a friendship, and I just got to brag about her. So her name is Dr. Callie Snyder, and she's a flutist, 
For those of you who don't know me, I'm a clarinetist, so we share that like woodwind love between each other. She's a clinician, an adjudicator, and a music educator in Lexington, Kentucky. She has a doctorate in flute performance and specialized studies in world music from Florida State University. And this is the part that I love about this lady. If that wasn't enough, she's the founder of The Sound Musician, which is an online community for musicians to feel whole in mind, body, and spirit. And on that site, this is why I got hooked on Dr. Callie, because she started to talk about an anxiety attack that she experienced during an orchestra concert, which if you are a classical musician, you know how hard we work to have our appearance be flawless and to go through an anxiety attack on stage and then to write about it and to share her lingering struggles with anxiety and how she is learning to transform that is so powerful because her desire, and I'm reading right from her blog here, my friends, her desire is that by quote, sharing my struggles and challenges of being a classical musician and learning how to feel whole in the process that my fellow musicians and non-musicians, that's all of you out there, might feel a little less alone in their challenges and that together we can form a community where we can feel seen, heard, and supported. Isn't that powerful? So I feel like Callie and I are a community and now whoever's watching and listening is a community. So welcome to the show, Callie. Hi, Gita. I am so thrilled to be here. Yay! Woohoo! We're doing a happy dance, happy dance, happy dance, happy dance. I can't dance too much because I got these headphones on, but I am <laughs> definitely doing a happy dance in my heart. So I've had anxiety like since the fourth grade. I think with yoga, I can now say I had anxiety <laughs> every now and then mm-hmm. it comes up, but it's in the past for me now, but it's taken a lot mm-hmm. of work. And I know that you've had a really powerful experience with anxiety too. Can you just tell our Absolutely. viewers and listeners a little bit about like the process of like how it sort of rolled out for you and when you knew this was like something you had to deal with? Yeah. Um, so I've had performance anxiety, you know, specific to music for, well, ever since I've been playing music, basically. (laughs) I remember being eight years old at my first piano recital and playing Jolly Old St. Nicholas, and my jaw was quivering (laughs) when I was up there playing. So performance anxiety uh, definitely was not, has not been a stranger to me throughout my musical career. Um, But I started to deal with something a little bit, um, a little bit more serious, I would say, not quite a generalized anxiety disorder, um, even though that's what my doctor, you know, diagnosed me as having, but I would say more a situational anxiety that I was triggering and kind of had some longer lasting effects that I've had to to deal with since. So um, I was at a summer music camp last summer and I was a faculty member and that was a really big deal to me because as you said, I do have a doctorate in music My plan has always been to teach at a university, but those jobs are very few and far between, and Mm -hmm. it just kind of hasn't panned out for me yet. So it was a really big deal to me to have that title as faculty and to be in that setting. You know, that was kind of special to me. So I felt a lot of pressure along with that. And being with other faculty members that were actually faculty members at colleges and universities, so I put a lot of pressure on myself, and then we were also playing Daphnis and Chloe, which oh. is really, really hard. Can I pause <laughs> there and tell our listeners how hard Daphnis and Chloe is? It is like it is that that piece they put in on a, on an audition, right? To like weed yeah. out the technical issues. It's like yes, that. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of Lots play of it notes. or die. Lots of notes. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. Throughout the whole thing, I mean, 
the woodwinds are practically nonstop throughout the whole piece. There's yes. not really a break <laughs> yeah. at all. And then I was playing second flute, which has some significant challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was really freaked out about that, feeling underprepared for that. And yeah, just a lot of pressure, mostly pressure that I was putting on myself. Of course. Yeah. Um, so kind of the triggering uh, moment for me was actually the night before this orchestra concert. It had already been a tenth week just with rehearsals. And it wasn't just me, everyone, especially the women players, <laughs> were feeling very tense. And you could feel anxiety from the whole mm-hmm. section just during rehearsals. Everyone was kind of freaked out. Um, but then I went out to a faculty dinner the night before, and I had something at dinner that just not agree with me. And I felt sick, but I felt like I couldn't leave because we carpooled together. I was with these other faculty members. I just I just didn't have the confidence to say, hey, I'm not really feeling well. I think I need to go. Mm-hmm. Um So I felt trapped, and I was miserable. (laughs) I felt horrible. And um, so that's kind of where it started, was just that trapped feeling, actually feeling unwell. And then that kind of bled into the last day of camp, which was the same day as the orchestra concert. So I woke up the morning of the orchestra concert, and I was not well. I mean, I wasn't exactly nauseous as I was the night prior, but I just was not feeling normal at all. And I was kind of panicking. I was still supposed to teach classes that day. And I was just kind of pacing around our cabin. My husband was there. He was like, you shouldn't teach today. I was like, I have to teach. It's the last day. I have to teach. Mm -hmm. And I was just kind of panicking about that because I felt unwell and I felt like I would prefer not to teach, but I felt obligated to teach because it was the last day. We'd already received our paychecks, and I didn't want them to think I was flaking out because I already got paid. (laughs) Um, So I was just just really worked up about it, and I ended up going to my first class, but I just could not. I could not teach. So I ended up giving the students just kind of free practice time and had to get the rest of my classes covered for the rest of the day, which really ate me up. Mm -hmm. I had really fun fun things planned. Uh, This was a middle school group. And um, I really liked my kids, and I was just really disappointed to not be there with them on the last day. Um, So I'm dealing with all this, feeling nauseous, feeling woozy, feeling panicky, um, so having anxiety. I hadn't really labeled it that yet, but that's what was going on. Mm -hmm. And then I still had a dress rehearsal and the concert that same day. And all of this is outdoors. Oh, of course. So, and I'm sure it was hot, too, yeah. <laughs> to compound was, things. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't super hot, but, I mean, warm enough. And uh, so I was not feeling well. Mm. I had, you know, been crying and upset, you know, could barely eat. Nothing sounded good. I tried to eat, just, you know, just kind of a mess. And I showed up to the dress rehearsal, and <laughs> everyone on stage was kind of looking at me like, are you okay? (laughs) Um, And the principal flutist was even like, if you need to go, like, don't worry about it. Just go, you know, we can, we can figure it out. I said, no, I'll just, I'll, I'll just do what I can. And, you know, if I need to leave, I'll leave, but I'll just try to figure it out. Right. So I'm sitting there outside in this amphitheater on stage and I'm just fanning myself with the music (laughs) until it's time for me to play. Um, I think I might've been past it on one thing and the whole time I was just 
breathing rhythmically, just fanning, just concentrating on breathing and just fanning. <laughs> and uh, just kind of having that methodical approach to distract me of, of the breathing and the fanning. And um, I made it through the rehearsal. I felt a lot better immediately after mm. making it through the rehearsal. Um, so that was a relief, but then I had to do it all over again that night <laughs> in front of people. So, yes. In front of, in front of, you know, all the campers and counselors and, you know, all the other faculty members from the other disciplines and whatnot. And with all so, that pressure that you had put on yourself too. I mean, I'm sure in some ways you sort of felt like not your career was riding on this, but that this is a big moment for you, right? It's like the final thing you're doing at this camp. You're a professional. You have your yeah. doctorate. You're really trying yeah. to establish yourself as someone of note in the field. Oh, musician's pun, exactly. someone of note. But there's all this like internal <laughs> pressure, and I think that's where a lot of the anxiety comes from. And that even yeah. that feeling, even that flu other lovely flutist telling you, well, you know, you could leave if you wanted to. That's not mm -hmm. how we roll in the classical music world, right? We know right. that if you do that, you probably won't get called back to come again because there's that, like, don't show your weakness thing, right. uh, which is and why I'm like, so happy to have you here and, like, let's open that vault and actually share that because we need that vulnerability in order to make great art. We have to be okay being vulnerable in front of people. So yeah. here you are, you're in this moment and like they cue Daphnis and Chloe starts, you're off to like, you know, the fire races with your fingers and your breath trying to play all the, like the cabillion notes that's in that piece. Yeah. And boom, what happens? Well, actually playing was kind of a distraction mm. from the anxiety, thankfully. Um, so it was more the anticipation, you know, kind of walking to the amphitheater, mm -hmm. waiting to go on stage, sitting on stage. And, of course, they have all these speeches that they have to make for the last day of camp <laughs> and just sitting through all of that and all the in-between, introducing the pieces, sitting through all that. So all of that was more anxiety-inducing mm. than the actual playing. Mm. Um, and actually, so you're right, I did feel like I needed to prove myself in the setting and because it was a summer camp i mean there was no sub you know i couldn't call a sub right <laughs> i mean i just i had to be the one to play so um yeah so i i just played and actually in one of the prior rehearsals they or the conductor had decided to have the first flute double me on some of those exposed runs which was kind of like a shot to my ego, but, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and also I should mention that the conductor was a flutist as well. Uh -huh. So there's that, <laughs> there's that piece. They too. know every mistake uh, that you're making. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which actually, you know, he ended up talking to me, um, at some point and he was like, Oh, you know, it's just so hard. It's just so hard. And, you know, we just need to have some more notes in there. And so it wasn't a personal thing at all. Right. Um, you know, the having the other person play with me. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it's hard to not take that. As, of course. You, know, like, you feel like oh, they're like, oh, I'm let me put some training wheels. Myself. Yeah. Let me put some training yeah. wheels on you, you poor young thing. <laughs> yeah. So that actually, it kind of like, it fired me up a little bit. So mm -hmm. I was more motivated to play that part, you know, louder and stronger <laughs> right. when I got there. So the actual playing was, was fine. Um, it was a distraction. It was just during the rest. And the in-between stuff right. um, where I really had to just I, what I did was just kind of try to keep my energy as low as possible mm. um, so I was sitting there in my chair and I just kind of tried to like center myself 
down and just try to think of being grounded and just try to keep everything in a lower place mm-hmm. in my body, if that makes sense. It Instead absolutely of keeping does. everything up high and like in the chest and in the throat and feeling high and tight, trying to keep everything a little bit lower and more grounded. Um, and yeah, so I mean, I made it. <laughs> you made it through and you, it. you made it to the other side. And then what I find so interesting is that it's like all of your training carried you through. I mean, I think for anyone who's listening or watching who's a performer, we know that in those high pressure moments, sometimes we're in the flow state where we're totally connected to what we're doing and we're like, mm-hmm. we're there actively creating. And then other times we kind of go on autopilot, right? It's like all the training takes over, the muscle memory takes over, and your fingers are playing it, but you're sort of just there. <laughs> it's yeah. What was it like for you? Did you feel like, wow, like you hit a peak that night? Like you were really performing and connected to what you were performing? Or did you just kind of, the body went on automatic pilot and you had to manage yourself in between? Yeah, I think the latter. It was just... Automatic pilot? When I, when I was playing, it was something to focus on. Yep. And I just went. Yeah. And then in between, it was it was all about self management. Right. <laughs> yeah. But that and then took when a, it was over, sorry. Go ahead. The, the, oh, sorry. Yeah. The the principal Lutus turned to me and she's like, "Now you know you can play when you're sick." Yes. And <laughs> like, yeah. And that's kind of been sort of a little mantra for me over the past six or seven months or however long it's been is you can do hard things. I can do hard things, and mm-hmm. I've kind of kept that in the back of my mind whenever things are challenging it's like okay I can play outdoors in a concert Daphne and Chloe while having anxiety mm-hmm. I can do this mm-hmm. <laughs> I can do hard things mm-hmm. <laughs> what portion of it do you think was physically being ill from the dinner and what portion do you think that sort of that over rushing experience of anxiety was more on sort of like the mental or physical side of things not physical, which portion do you think was being like sick, just being sick? And which portion was like your mind, your expectations and all the pressure and all yeah. that build up? Well, I mean, I think it started with legitimately being sick. Mm-hmm. Like I ate something, it did not work with me. Right. <laughs> and then from that, I had this fear and well, I should say it wasn't just the being sick, it was being sick and feeling trapped. Right. And feeling like I couldn't just call my husband to come get me because my husband was there he was in our cabin maybe 20 minutes away from where we were mm-hmm. I could have just said hey guys I'm so sorry not feeling well I'm gonna have my husband come get me mm-hmm. you know now I'm like why didn't I do why that why didn't that I do I know <laughs> so easy <laughs> but yep. I felt obligated and that's that's something I've kind of discovered is I I will put other people's comfort above my own often Um, even if it would have been totally fine if I had left, but it's, I don't know, it's something I've kind of perceived like, Oh, I can't just leave. That's unprofessional. I can't do that. Um, yeah. So it was actually being sick, the feeling trapped. And then I think the next morning, the fear of feeling sick Mm -hmm. and being trapped in like the class setting in the orchestral setting, um, being in those situations and feeling sick and being afraid of that feeling. Right. It's like, here I am in my most vulnerable moments, I'm feeling horrible, and now everyone is going to see me doing that, right? Like the veneer of like my professionalism and everything that I've built up, this story I have about myself is, you know, I'm Mm -hmm. Dr. Callie Snyder, (laughs) Mm -hmm. which you are, but I have all these stories and expectations of what that means, and now there's a danger that that could crumble in front of people, and it's actually the fear of that was more triggering than anything else. Mm -hmm. Um, which I think is such a weird mind thing. And I'm sure people listening and watching can relate to that, right? It's like, 
part of why we have so much anxiety and it is one of the number one mental health disorders or it's in the top five for sure mental health disorders that's going on right now for uh, particularly Americans, North Americans, is that like sen- we're we're disconnected from ourselves, we're disconnected from each other, and Absolutely. we feel that vulnerability actually makes us weak when it's actually the flip. And for us as artists, right. it's our vulnerabilities that actually makes us really strong because that is the fuel we're supposed to express the tenderest emotions with our music. And if mm-hmm. we can't even feel comfortable living with our own tenderest emotions, then how can we possibly give that to people who are coming to hear our Daphnis and Chloe performance, for example. So, but then after, you know, the performance, then the anxiety kind of hung out for you, didn't it? Yeah. (laughs) And that was really, that was really the worst part of it. Um, Mm. What I was feeling on stage was akin to performance anxiety, a little bit different, Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. that's something that I at least had some experience with. Sure. And when it was over, I mean, immediate relief. Oh my gosh! Right. Like okay, we're going home now. We're going I'm amazing. Now. <laughs> <laughs> it's done. But then you know, I woke up the next morning and I felt nervous about eating breakfast mm. again. Um, and so that kind of that feeling of of being afraid of being sick um, from eating that kind of lingered. So that was sort of the first thing that I was noticing was just kind of being afraid to eat. I mean, I was eating and I knew I needed to eat, but I didn't want to because I was mm. afraid that it was going to make me sick and I just didn't want to feel that way. Um, so I dropped like probably 10 pounds mm. in like a month. Um, and then I started getting back into my normal routine with, I go to uh, several public schools in central Kentucky and work with the flute sections at those schools during the school day. And I teach private lessons. And I also have a part-time job as well. (laughs) So as I was going to do all these different things, things that I've done hundreds of times, I was feeling nervous and apprehensive and kind of having a woozy feeling uh, showing up to all these things. And that was really abnormal for me. Hmm. And that's kind of when I was like, okay, this isn't isn't right. Something's wrong Mm -hmm. here. And so I was determined to dip it in the bud. I had seen a counselor various times in the past, and I made an appointment with a counselor. I made an appointment with uh, a doctor. I made an appointment for massage. <laughs> you know, it was just like, mm. okay, let's just all hands on these deck things <laughs> and try to just handle it. Um, but in the process, you know, because when you're getting into a doctor and a counselor for the first time, if you're not established, it can take sometimes a month to even get in those places. Right. So in the waiting, you know, it just the symptoms started to intensify. Hmm. And uh, when I finally did get to the doctor, she um, prescribed me a anti-anxiety medication, and she diagnosed me as having generalized anxiety disorder. Hmm. And just seeing that written on a piece of paper, I just cried. Yeah. Because um, I thought, like, wow, I'm broken. Like, there's something wrong with me, and wow. I can't. I was disappointed in myself for not being able to handle it on my own mm-hmm. and for having to result to medication mm-hmm. to try to fix it. And I just felt really kind of just broken. Wow. And um, so I started on this medication, and it was horrible. Um, so I've learned since dealing with all of this and talking to a lot of people 
um, that have anxiety that finding the right medication can be a real struggle. Mm -hmm. And some things work for people, some things make it worse. And that first medication I tried made everything worse than it already was. And that was easily Mm -hmm. the worst week of my life. Um, Just, I would... I would be driving somewhere and would feel like I need to make sure I'm on the far lane so I can pull over mm. if I need to. Mm. You know, things you don't normally think about. Right. Um, and just feeling scared. And it just, it was like a flip switch in my body. And it's like I wasn't in control anymore. That my brain and my, my thoughts and my body, they were just doing their own thing. And I had no control. And I just wasn't myself anymore. It's almost and like it you flipped, sorry to interrupt scary. you, but it's almost like you, you flipped from this sort of like relaxed nervous system mode. And then after the concert, you sort of almost went into this prolonged state of fight or flight. And I'm sure it it took a lot of months and a lot of different interventions to like return your baseline to where you sort of felt, I hate to use the word normal, but you felt more like yourself and like anxiety wasn't ruling you. Um, Who, who are some other people that you reached out to? I, did you eventually find a medication or a therapy that, sort of started to turn the dial for you a little bit towards the positive? Yes. Um, so I had seen a counselor, um, and so I had started to see a counselor about every other week mm. um, once I was, was established there. Right. And, um, yeah, but at first, though, I think I had to go maybe three weeks in between appointments, and mm. I remember calling the, the center and being like, hey, I need to see to see someone immediately, mm-hmm. like, if this person is available, like, you need to find somebody else for me because, like, this has to happen. Right. Um, so there are definitely a couple panicky phone calls to the counseling center. <laughs> um, and definitely me also walking into the counselor's office and just sitting down and just bawling, just crying, um, which that can be hard, even though you're in a safe space right. in a therapist's office, just, you know, essentially walking into a stranger's room and just, crying do you know what i love about you know what i love about all this Callie, is that like you consistently over time and i think people really benefit from hearing this is that you consistently over time you reached out to people even at your like your lowest moment you just consistently made the next step to reach out you made the next step to reach out you made and even if it was like a misstep like okay the wrong medication okay then you just took the next step and the next step and the next step Um, let's say there's someone listening or watching right now who is like in that moment where they're like, you know what, all day, every day, like I'm losing weight. I'm not sleeping well. I constantly feel like I'm on edge. I I think I have a problem with anxiety. What would you, cause clearly you've made it through, right? (laughs) You've made it through. What would you tell someone who is like just on those first steps seeking help for anxiety? Like what, what inspiration would you give them or where should they go? for their first yeah. little reach out. Make an appointment with a counselor or a therapist, number Beautiful. one, is Beautiful. what I would say. Um, I think a lot of people are scared to do that. Um, mm-hmm. I I have been to a counselor uh, multiple times, just kind of throughout my life at different points. Um, you know, whenever I was in college, you could go to the counseling office for free. Um, that was one of the, the services provided for students. Mm. So I remember doing that and... I only did that because I had encouragement from my parents, my mom especially, like, okay, I think this is a little bit beyond what you can control. I think we need to talk to somebody else. Mm -hmm. And I think if my mom and even my flute teacher, I think if they hadn't encouraged me to go talk to someone, I wouldn't have done it. 
So take this as me encouraging you. I was going to say, <laughs> people listen to this. Yeah, <laughs> listen to Callie. Person that just doesn't feel right. You don't feel like yourself. Make the appointment. It's a lot. Right. It's scary at first, but it makes a huge difference. Um, just talking to someone that doesn't know you. Yes. Um, that has that kind of uh, impartial perspective. Um, you know, it's different talk, talking to a counselor versus talking to your mom or to a friend. Um, they have a different perspective, a more of an outside perspective on your life, and they can look at things more objectively. Yeah. Um, so I think that's, that's super vital. And then also making an appointment with your with your primary care, Amen. with your doctor. Amen. Amen, right? It could be something am, physical going on, right, that you that's shooting yeah. off some hormones in your body or yes. who knows what. We are complicated machines, aren't we, Kelly? Yes, like, and that was one of the things right. that my doctor was, she's like, I want to check your thyroid. Absolutely. That's a for, for women. Yes. If our thyroid levels are off, that can cause anxiety. And actually, when I started to post about anxiety on social media i had people reach out to me through private message and be like hey do you think you might have a thyroid problem (laughs) because i did you know people were like i having panic attacks and it ended up being my thyroid Mm. um and then also i've had people say my my doctor told me my thyroid level was in the normal range but i just felt like something was still off Mm. and they went to multiple doctors until they found someone that would look a little bit deeper Mm. um so that's another thing to have a whole other conversation about this mm. too. But one of the hardest things about anxiety is just figuring out what works for you. So yes, yes I did finally find a medication that works better for me. Amen. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I am definitely not anti-medication. I knew my, my end goal was to not be on it Sure. because I felt in my core that I didn't need it as a person, um, you know, for the rest of my life. I right. felt like I needed it for the time being to right. help me help myself. Yep. But, um, I, and I know some people that are on anti-anxiety medication and they just stay on it, you know, mm-hmm. and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just knew for me that it was just a short term thing. Right. So I did find the medication and guys, it's like, if you have insurance, it's like a quarter a month, literally Right. like a quarter a month for peace of mind and <laughs> feeling like, absolutely right your body again because so if you're if worth you, exploring right and if you've spiked so far that your nervous system is just this is not a medical term but out of whack right? yeah, yeah. you're just like you've gone from like your baseline anxiety was a two and now you're at like a constant seven or an eight you might need a little help to get it back down a little bit of that synthetic chemical help to get it back down while you yeah. work on your other more holistic interventions to sort of yeah. shore up the other areas of your life so yes, and everyone and is going like to find exactly what I did. Yeah. Well, and I can, you can actually like see it guys. If you haven't been over to her Instagram, go check it out. What is your Instagram? <laughs> is it the sound musician? It's the sound musician Great. underscore, but if you just type in the sound musician, it she pop will up. pop up because it's beautiful. And you can see her ongoing sort of quest to be healthy and well. Um, and so we have people now they've gone to their primary care they are going to see a counselor. They figured out if medication is the right avenue for them. What are some other like little things that you did or could recommend for people to do if they're looking to sort of turn the tide for their anxiety or just increase their overall sort of soundness, as you say, in the sound musician? Yes. Um, so one of the major things I did um, or one of the lifestyle changes I made was 
creating a morning routine. Cause Amen. Prior to, <laughs> yeah, prior to the anxiety, I mean, I'm a freelancer, so right. I don't have to be awake at the same time every day. Right. <laughs> like some days I need to be up at six. Some days I could very well sleep till nine. And, and that's a recipe you know, for fine. mental health disaster, I can say, <laughs> as a yoga teacher. And that's what I was doing, you know. Yeah. Um, Still kind of operating in that college mindset where I was like, yes. oh, I don't have to be anywhere until 11 this day, so I'll just sleep till 8.30 or whatever. And then I wonder, um, why is my body so out of whack? <laughs> yeah. Um, so a couple different things or people that inspired me, one is Rachel Hollis. I don't know if you're familiar yes. with her work. Yes, yes. Yeah, so she's a little bit more kind of like, you know, empowering women, like get it done, no excuses. Yes. So that might not resonate with everyone, but there are some things that she teaches that did resonate with me. And one of them was she definitely talks about her morning routine mm-hmm. and she has her um, start today journal, which um, you can do with, you don't have to purchase the start today journal to do this. And she says that you can do this in any old notebook that you've got. Mm. But I started to write down in the morning, five things that I'm grateful for mm. 10 dreams I have for my life as if they've already happened. Wow. Um, so one of them was I um, I have a blog, The Sound Musician, and I wrote that every day for about, like, 90 days or something. I love and it. And I launched The Sound Musician. And then I found um, you, and now everyone else can find you. It's so exciting. Yeah, <laughs> Thank yeah. you, Rachel Hollis. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and then after that, um, I think, what, what's the thing I'm going to work on first? And so for a mm. long time, it was starting my blog, The Sound Musician. I was writing that every single day. So um, I would do that. I would make my list. Um, I, I was also inspired by Hal Elrod's Miracle Morning. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't do everything that he says, but that was kind of a good starting place for just trying to figure out a morning routine. Mm-hmm. Um, he has, like, all this stuff that you do, and it doesn't work for me to do everything that he says. But mm-hmm. <laughs> it, was, it was kind of just a, a good kind of introduction to what could be in a morning routine, like the things that you could do. Um, so journaling, that also became much more consistent. Mm. I've journaled on and off in my life. Um, I wasn't journaling whenever the anxiety attack happened. And so journaling became a part of my lifestyle again. And I was journaling mm. like twice a day, morning and evening. Well, it shows um, in your writing. Sorry to interrupt you again, but it completely shows in your writing because it's just a very natural style. And folks, if you check her out at thesoundmusician.com, you can read all of her past blog posts. And it is, it's just like a friend talking to you. Hey, yeah. here's what happened. Here's what I learned. Here's some stuff you can learn. Um, and then you were brave and you pulled the trigger and you launched your blog. And I remember the lead up to it, you kept posting like, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. <laughs> and you launched with your story that you just told our viewers and listeners about your, your sort of struggles with anxiety and how you have learned that that vulnerability is actually strength and you want to share it and sort of break that stigma. Um, and you know, today I just want to encourage people who are listening that, you know, increasing your happiness, decreasing anxiety is really embodying what you're doing, Callie, because you are creating community. You created it first in the written word, sharing that, um, online. You do it with every Instagram post. You're sharing your story. You're doing that here, talking to me today. (laughs) Um, and so often when people are feeling anxious or they're going through an anxiety disorder, or they just want to feel happier, a lot of the root of that is that they're disconnected, right? They're disconnected from themselves, which is why that morning routine is so beneficial because you are connecting with yourself in that moment. And then connecting with other people is great. I lost Mm. whenever I was facing anxiety. I felt not connected to myself. Right. So it was really 
really crucial and beneficial to carve out that space for myself in the morning. Um, you know, I'm still tweaking my morning routine and it's not always the same every day and it doesn't always happen every day, but, um, it's definitely much more consistent and it's definitely helped me just kind of tune in and be a little bit more centered Mm. and more kind of with myself Mm. throughout the day. Mm. So yeah, I would definitely recommend, um, starting to, to think about, you know, what, what feels good, what might be a service to you, um, and creating that space for yourself in the morning if you're feeling a little rattled or anxious. I love that. I'm a big fan of the morning routine. You know, as a yoga teacher, that's kind of our jam. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, One other thing I do want to say as well is that uh, over at your website, thesoundmusician.com, you do the the lovely newsletter that she sends out on Sundays. And that is a Mm -hmm. lovely way. I'm just going to plug your stuff here, my friend, because (laughs) The Sound Musicians comes every Sunday. And it's a lovely way to start your day is to read it because you've done a really nice job of not only sharing your story and things that you've been posting about, but you share a lot of resources of just cool stuff that you found, um, you yeah. know, different like little tools to help you in your wellness or just different stuff that you read. It's almost like you're curating a site for people to find inspiration, guidance, uh, guidance rather, and some community too. Um, so I just applaud you with that. Like you've taken what I'm sure many, many other people have gone through and a lot of other musicians have gone through, but they've gone through it in silence. And you, my dear, have like flipped that script. You're like, here's my stuff (laughs) and we're going to talk about it. And that is our superpower as musicians. Don't you think that like our vulnerability and ability to like live into that and literally play into it on stage is what is going to connect us to our audience, right? I mean, this is the vital work of artists now in the 21st century. Um, I told you we were speaking a few weeks ago that I think the role of musicians in society is partly to reflect sort of the gestalt, the feeling of the time. And people look back a hundred years later at the music of the time to figure out how the people were feeling. And if we're not putting our true, most authentic, connected selves into our music, then we're doing a disservice to our art form and the potential it has for social change, societal change, and just basic everyday human expression. So I am applauding you silently so I don't overwhelm the microphones, but I'm applauding you for all you do. And I just want to say, I hope you'll come on the show again. Will you please? (laughs) It was really an honor to speak with you today and to be a part of this. Definitely. So thank you, Gita. Oh, it's my pleasure. (laughs) And I think we're going to recap your little, your thing is like, go to your primary care, check out a counselor or therapist, start a morning routine. And talk to people that you trust and you love about what's going on. Share it with people that are safe to share it with. And start connecting with people around you because it's that connection that will help you to transform whatever you're going through so that people can feel more happy. How did I do? Is that it? Yeah. And I would add one one more little thing that we just say. It's just once I started talking about it, so many people opened up to me either online or in person hey, I've been dealing with this since 2012 or, you know, I'm really struggling with anxiety now myself. And, you know, it's something that they don't feel comfortable sharing publicly themselves, but just so many people are dealing with it too. Mm. But it's just not something that we advertise. So just if you are struggling with anxiety, know that you are not alone and that probably if you're in a room with 10 people, eight of those people have anxiety too. Amen. <laughs> so, I mean, really, even if they're not talking about it, they do. Um, yes. So just, you know, you're not alone. 
and they have us, right? Everybody yeah. has us. They can find us. Oh, my dear, this has been just a pleasure and a joy. Thank you so, 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 so much for joining us. Bye, everybody. Hey, friends, this is the Gita Brown Show, bringing harmony into everyday life. Find me online at GitaBrown.com and YouTube at Gita Brown. Also on social, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Gita C. Brown. See you there. So you guys, you know that you have homework because I'm a teacher and that's how I roll. And I know Callie approves of this homework as well. So if you are going to increase your happiness, if you need to decrease your anxiety, you must find your community. It doesn't have to be a huge group of people. You can start out with just one person that you feel safe with, sharing your heart, sharing what you're going through. And from that one person, you'll gain that courage to be vulnerable. You'll gain that courage that you've been seen and heard. When you share your story, you help other people to express their vulnerability, and we are all made stronger. I know it is not easy to share, especially when you're at a moment where you feel low. And you heard Callie saying she did everything she could to hide her vulnerability in front of that audience. But eventually she broke open the vault, and look at how strong she is today and how many people she's helping. So it's not easy. When you are feeling alone and vulnerable, or you're feeling happy, but you want to be happier, but feel like, oh, I I don't feel quite right even asking for that, ask for it. You're not alone. The world needs your voice. The world needs you to speak your truth. So find your safe person, communicate your needs today, and increase your happiness with your community. So with that, I'm going to close the show with a little chant for peace. After I do the chant for peace, I will give the English translation and give a nice blessing to you so you can have a beautiful, beautiful day. You may listen to me. If you know this peace chant, chant along. Let's send some good vibes out there. Loka samasta sukino bhavantu. Loka samasta sukino bhavantu. Lokaha samastaha sukino humbavantu. May the entire universe and you, my friend, be filled with peace and joy, love and light. Hope you have a beautiful day. And guys, if you like this, please share it with a friend who needs some love. You can hop on over to my website, GitaBrown.com, for updates, insider tips, and little occasional sales I have for only my little insiders. Sign up with your email there. You can follow me on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at Gita C. Brown. Thanks, guys. Have a very peaceful day. Om Shanti. Shanti.